Kokoshian Cast, the weekly sports anime fan podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. Hey! Hey, how you doing? I am doing great as always. Oh good. Well, so we are here today to do our series review of March Comes In Like a Lion, uh, at least of the, the first season. Um, right. So it ended up being a 22-episode series that went on these past two seasons. Um, Hopefully it looks like it's going to be continued, but we'd like to take a look back on, you know, what it's accomplished over the last six months. Right. This was kind of the critical darling of last season. Uh, Like, it wasn't, like, the most popular series, but it, like, it was kind of the one that, like, the fans were really talking very, like, excitedly about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it when it when it debuted in uh, fall of last year, it really had a lot of hype tied to it. Um, right, and we can talk through as we, as we go about you know it it may have lost some people along the way, but right. uh, overall it it retained its reputation, um, and I, I have no doubts about it continuing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think one of the major strengths of it was that they, act, I believe what I was reading or what I was told was that the original uh, author of the manga had a lot of influence in the creation of the anime. Uh, just like, because this is the from the same author who did Honey and Clover, and he actually directed that series, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or if not directed, at least had like a lot of input into that one as well. And so, and I, he kind of was continuing that tradition, I believe, with March Comes In Like a Lion. Right. Um, so, before the season started, uh, you know, we, we were both somewhat aware of the hype. So, what was your perception about what this show was going to be? Uh, I actually thought, like, considering trends and when I had just read the uh, description about the fact that it was a dude living with three sisters, I had assumed it was going to be kind of a creepy... Uh, uh, like kind of waifu pandering type show, you know, you got you know you got your three different types of girls, uh, and then and, you know the main character kind of gets into wacky situations with the three of them, yeah, uh, and you know it has kind of weird comical misunderstandings between you know oh no open up it's like living with these girls and oh oh gotta be careful about uh, opening up the door while they're in the shower oh no, <laughs> uh, like that was my interpretation. Boy, I'm glad I was wrong about that. Well, yeah, it was pretty much the direct opposite. Yeah. Um, I I didn't take it quite that far. Um, I knew knew it was going to be sort of, or at least I thought at the time, it was going to be just sort of of slice-of-lifey, have some good lessons that this this boy learns about, you know, sort of a, a nostalgic take on growing up. Um, right. And learning about shogi, you know, in, insofar as you learned, you would learn about shogi, I didn't think there would be much detail in it. I thought it would sort of be an afterthought compared to uh, the drama of him learning his life lessons with these uh, these women. Um, obviously, that's, that's not exactly how it played out, and probably to its right. benefit. Uh, so the 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 actual premise of the show, we we were under the impression, and the hype sort of mis- misled us somewhat that this was about a uh, a high school boy who was living with these three sisters and their their wacky adventures. But um, the three sisters are just 
three of several supporting characters in right. in Ray's life. He actually lives alone. Um, he's a professional shogi player. Shogi is a it's sort of it, it's a version of chess um, that's played almost exclusively in Japan, um, and he. He lived by himself. He has a couple people he's connected to, but mostly he doesn't really have any social connections. He's in high school, but he doesn't really have any purpose there. He's someone who's kind of drifting through life. Um, And the show picks him up there and tries to understand how he got there, how he became a pro, why he feels like he's drifting through life, and then introduces these people into his life um, that start to affect his self-perception and his understanding of what he's doing and why why he's doing it. Um, right. So the the arc, such as it is, is one from him being totally self-focused and I would say depressed and uh, not really connecting to anyone outside himself to being someone who has social connections, someone who sees a goal outside of just daily survival um and has people he that he he's able to recognize that people love him care about him and he's able to show some of that love uh in return right um it's kind of interesting it kind of like the first few episodes kind of go through this formula of like introducing characters and then ray gets like a little lesson and then the series kind of evolves from there right um, where it's where it does have a bit more of a defined story arc, where in the second half of the series it actually doesn't even follow Ray that much. Uh, you're you're kind of viewing it from his perspective, but the story ends up being a little bit more about Shimada, or rather, it's like the main narrative. Like Ray almost feels like like he's the main character, but he's almost like a side character, like within this within a greater story. Right. Um, so I think one of our first questions we wanted to ask here, and I think it, it, like one of the ones we were kind of concerned about going into it was, could we really consider this a sports anime? Well, yeah, because we, we went into Koshi and Cast with a pretty broad definition of sports anime. Right. Um, we just said, you know, it was any anime that had a character who was involved with a, who who was centered around a character involved with a sport, um, whether real or made up. So that's how we ended up following Keijo. Um, <laughs> but but with this, we're like, you know, does Shogi count? You know, it's a board game. Is it a sport? Um, but our assumption was it would be it would be focused enough on the mechanics of the game, or at least had the potential to be um, that it. In, in terms of its archetypes, it would function like right. a sports anime, uh, it, much in the same way that Chihaya Furu did with Karuta. Even right. though Karuta, you know, it's not a sport by a traditional definition, but um, it certainly operated like a sports anime. Right, and it follows a lot of, like, one of, our, one of our assumptions that we went into when we came up with Koshian Cast was that sports anime do t- follow a typical formula. Mm-hmm. And, uh... As it turns out, I do think March Comes In Like a Lion actually did fit into that formula pretty well. And in kind of its own little way, but um, it, it uses a lot of the tropes of sports anime. Like what? 
Uh, like, for example, the whole idea of the hot-blooded rival to kind of inspire somebody to go further. You kind of see that with Nikaido a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, like, you know, at first, Ray kind of is just annoyed by Nikaido because, you know, Nikaido is kind of uh, portrayed as being this sort of overly boisterous, like, overly excited uh, young man who, you know, he just wants to get... It feels like he's just sort of a bother to Ray. But, at, like, towards the end of the series, you kind of realize that Nikaido's really the only one who can even sympathize or, like, empathize with Ray's situation at all. And uh, the very ending of the series uh, has Nikaido, in, like, stating, like, hey, man, we're not even going to be able to play Shogi against one another into, like, in, the mo- in, the, uh, in this next tournament that's coming up unless we reach the finals. And that's actually what ultimately gives Ray an actual goal now beyond just, like... Like, just mere survival, or at one point trying to get revenge. Right. Um, another way it uses it, and it uses it very interestingly, is how it sort how it sets up its characters, or it's like its major rivals in the series. Uh, I was thinking largely of Goto, uh, and how, like, Goto is kind of, like, every sports anime has its, its evil player essentially it has its kind of like it's dag nasty like okay this is a this is a little ridiculous to have a character who's like this bad of a person who's right. like playing the sport but he's also but because of his talent he believes that he's just above he's the ba- law yeah essentially yeah. he's kind of above it all like he can get away with anything and goto is kind of set up as being that character and it sets up almost this sort of cliched arc uh, for uh, Goto, uh, basically because he set, they set up this whole thing where Ray has to like beat him in a match, and like everything feels like it's building up to this sort of climactic battle against uh, Ray versus Goto. One of the side characters, Mister Smith, actually even announces like, "Man, I don't even see a see a situation where it's not you versus Goto in the in the championship." But it actually uses that formula that we know, this kind of classic, like, underdog story versus, like, the big champion. And actually uh, undermines that to introduce the character of Shimada, who ends up being Rei's opponent before uh, Goto. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a really interesting way in which it used that kind of very common story uh, from sports anime... Into actually setting up uh, Ray's mentor, who ends up being his mentor, because he because the series is so focused on Goto that you don't even think about Shimada, and there uh, it uh, does something very interesting where you don't even see Shimada during the match until Ray realizes he's actually losing. Yeah, I mean, I I liked a lot of how they took the, that turn because what it ended up doing was turning the focus of the whole show. Um, because that event with Goto happened sort of partway through the second half of the show. Right. Um, and up to that point, we'd, we'd followed Ray, you know, starting off being completely independent, being depressed, being lonely. Um, and we'd sort of gotten to understand his personal backstory more. We'd under, he'd begun to develop some more relationships uh, he seemed like he was in a little better of a place, and he decided this was the thing he was finally going to do. He was finally going to be a man, and he was going to take down Goto. Um, because Goto was uh, someone who 
had been in his life before. He was uh, a, a student of his adoptive father, which we'll get to. Um, and he had Godot's effectively having an affair with Ray's adoptive sister. Um, right. And so he was finally going to liberate, you know, in his mind, his sister <laughs> from this relationship and attack Goto and get get his get his revenge. So we're so caught up with Ray and we're like, okay, finally, this is the big arc. This is where Ray does it. We're gonna see him win. Um, and the show doesn't let that happen. One, it says that that may not be the right goal to have. You don't, you know, like what is beating Goto gonna do to change anyone's life in one tournament? You know, right. um, it it. It's great because with sports anime, it often treats that, you know, beating your rival, that's an end unto itself. But this show, one, it says, okay, so what happens if you do that? Like, what's really going to change in the real world? Well, nothing, I guess. But but Ray doesn't even stop to think about it because he operates sort of with those assumptions uh, that we get from anime so often. And he's operating within it, but the anime itself is working against it. Um, and then that that defeat allows him for the first time to you know to realize how much he still needs to learn um, and that's where Shimada comes in and really he, he begins trying to involve Ray in a community because what what Ray needs to learn among other things is that he can't do it by himself this is something he has to keep learning over and over that he needs other people around him if he wants to actually uh, move forward with his life generally and with Shogi. Right. And that's, uh, that's really kind of the, and that's kind of where it lies as a sports anime, essentially. Uh, and it's interesting because like, so last season we had kind of two shows that sort of used the framing device of a sports anime. Uh, we had Yuri on Ice, who, which used it kind of more, uh, which used it more, like analyzed more of the boys love subtext. Whereas this one actually tries to use it as a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Uh, uses like it, it views the sports story as a, like a story of like growing up and how you grow up. And with a lot of sports stories, the idea is like you master a skill, you become the best at this ability, like this one strange task that you just develop incredible uh you know you become like the most talented at it mm-hmm. whereas in march comes in like a lion it tries to set that up it like it like ray is kind of feels like he's going down this path because it's established early on that he would like to play against soya who's the master who is like the master like the uh he's the grandmaster of shogi the current uh yeah. the major he, he's the he's the highest ranked shogi right. player in japan right yeah exactly um and so, like, you know, and so in any other, like, sports series, that would be end up becoming the final goal, uh, because it's linked to the mastery of Shogi. Mm-hmm. In this, it try, it almost sets it up, but instead, it kind of swerves it a little bit, and it's like, okay, it's great for making connection, like, sports and, like, activities. They're great for, like, meeting other people. They're... It's where Ray does manage to uh, find most of his social circle. Uh, because he finds Nikaido there. He finds Shimada there. He finds Mr. Smith there. But it's like, the fact that he, like, the fact that he's talented is not actually that important to maintaining these friendships. Well, yeah. Um, 
it I think I think it it, it, under, is. It, it it is and it isn't um, because that right. that's only what gets him in the door. Uh, one of the things we started to pick up on through the second half of this show was that there are multiple aspirations that that Ray has, and he sort of has to choose his path. Um, what that that became exemplified by the difference between Soya and Shimada. Um, right. So Soya is universally acknowledged as the best uh shogi player um but at the same at the same time he's someone who's not connected with anyone nobody actually has a personal relationship with soya nobody really knows what goes on in his head um he they they believe he's effectively unbeatable but he doesn't have real relationships at the same time there's this other guy shimada who's also an extremely high level player um but he has this study group that nikaido is part of and he's a mentor to nikaido and some other people uh he's involved with his local community uh he does outreach for the elderly in his hometown who need uh food and shelter and a community of their own um and that's just that's something that's so outside of the soya archetype and you know ray at the beginning of the show is sort of on this path of becoming soya someone who his whole being is centered around shogi uh he trained he trains by himself he's completely isolated but he's the master um what Shimada tries to show him is that there's a better way to live and that there's more to life than being the the best at one thing. Right, exactly. It's like, the series kind of present. But it, what's interesting about it is that Soya himself is not necessarily portrayed as being a... Like, it's not necessarily seen as being the wrong choice. It's right. just sort of another path he could he could take. But it's maybe not something Ray wants to do. It's, again, like, when you're young and impressionable, you know, you kind of want to be, it's like, yeah, I want to be the best at my thing, because that means I'm, you know, I'm going to be, like, I'm trying to think of the best way, you know, it's like, I, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm the most talented, you know, it's like, I'm the best, you know, you're kind of like, you're cocksure, you're like... Well, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's an outgrowth of arrogance, you know? Yeah, even, exactly. Even if you're someone like Ray, who's depressed a lot of the time you still have this desire that maybe maybe if i can just be the best at shogi that'll fix something you know yeah exactly it'll fix something in my life and maybe that works for soya but maybe but like through shimada and it kind of shows like look when you're growing up you're gonna have different paths you can take and it's gonna be in depending on what you choose like there's gonna be a better option for you and what ray is discovering throughout the series is like maybe the path of soya isn't one i want maybe i want to like maybe part of what like my growing up is understanding the people who are important to me in my life and trying to maintain contact with them one of the really interesting things that they do with that is actually through uh uh, ray's uh, relationship to the sisters because uh there is kind of this interesting growth of ray's character that we find is, like, at the very beginning of the se- of the series, we see that Ray doesn't actually really want to, like, he's kind of nervous about spending time with them because, you know, he feels like he's just imposing on them. He doesn't actually, like, do anything to, like, reach out to them. And it, it comes down to uh, the oldest sister, Akari, 
uh, kind of having to kind of force her way and be like, hey, like, you know, message him and kind of constantly bug him. Hey, you going to come by tonight? Mm-hmm. Uh, one time, the only reason he even comes by is that he accidentally runs into them someplace. Sure. And uh, kind of he, uh, she kind of corners him. By the end of the series, though, what we see is Ray is starting to accept the fact that the girl, you know, that the girls are an important part of his life, and he's going more out of his way to spend more time with them. Uh, one of the uh, one of the more interesting scenes is when he gets a call from Hina, who's the middle child, and like, because she's calling him just to say like, "Hey, you want to come over for dinner?" And what she finds is that he was actually just standing right outside anyway with gifts for them because he had just gotten back from a trip. Yeah, and but and what was important about that was that for the first time he was taking some initiative. He was saying like, "I have a role with this family. Uh, I am not just an imposition." Right, like, and we kind of see how that's how he could feel that way based on his past history, uh, when he was taken in by his family. Effectively, uh, when he got adopted by this family, uh, by Coda. Uh, he was kind of, he ended up being kind of this, his star pupil and both of his, uh, biological children were actually rather put out by this, by, uh, how much, uh, by how much, atta- by basically how Ray and Coda got along so well because, you know, they were both basically shogi master, like, you know, they were both really great at shogi and neither one of them could really pull their weight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it kind of, uh creates this divide in the entire family, and that's why Ray feels so guilty about, like, imposing on the sisters. Well, yeah, because um, it, it it's a lot of carryover, where, you know, when he was adopted, he was adopted largely, at least he felt, on the merit of his ability to play shogi well. It wasn't, right. it wasn't even something that he loved on its own. Like, he played shogi because it was something he would do with his biological father. Um... But he began to see Shogi as a necessity just so that he wouldn't he wouldn't be abandoned. Um, right. So Shogi was his connection to having a family. Um, but that single-minded pursuit of Shogi, that single-minded desire to hold on to a family, ended up being something that alienated him from his adoptive brother and sister who couldn't measure right. up to him. Um so yeah, needless to say, he starts off the show with some conflicted feelings about <laughs> Right, definitely. Um, and what's kind of interesting about that as well is that Coda himself is actually not portrayed as being the greatest father. He's trying to be, but he doesn't realize that his own love mm. of Shogi is getting in the way of actually raising his kids. Right. Uh, and it kind of plays into this whole mentality of how... It kind of addresses the whole mentality in sports anime of, like, you know, where does your drive actually come from? You know, some series like Haikyuu, they sort of just, like, they almost treat it as a joke. Like, Hinata and, uh, oh my god, I can't think of his name, uh, but the the setter. Uh, like, they, you know, they kind of treat that as a, the series kind of treats that as a joke, you know, where it's just like, oh, you know, we just want to win because. In this, it's like, uh, there is an actual, there's a very definitive connection between Ray's motivation to play the sport or play the game through his own, uh, through his family. And what we kind of, and one of the big issues from that comes from who's going to be the one who was actually going to put him on the right path. And it kind of feels like Coda is kind of the wrong person for him. Mm, Yeah, definitely. 
and what we find, and like you know, we can you know his actual dad may have been you know his dad at one point, but he was so, but his dad passed away when he was so young that he, and yeah, kind he, of he needed a new father figure. He needed someone to show him right. how to be an adult. But um, it's kind of interesting too because uh, his his biological father, in a way, is also the exact reason why he's on this path because. His father played Shogi, kind of for fun, but he was the one who actually passed that on to Rei. Sure. So you could say that he did learn this obsession from his own father. It was just, it was nurtured poorly through Koda. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, Koda himself did not know how to actually, like, show his own children that Shogi wasn't the most important thing. He knew that, but he didn't actually know, like, how to communicate to that to them in a way that they would understand. Right. Uh, and that kind of, uh, and that's why Shimada ends up being kind of, uh, Shimada and to, uh, to some, to some extent as well, his, uh, teacher Hayashida, his, uh, homeroom teacher in high school. Well, yeah, so it, it's interesting that between his couple people, Shimada and Hayashida, right. he learns to balance his life a little better. So Hayashida is interesting in that he's... You know, he's kind of like Ray's biological father in that he's a shogi enthusiast, but that right. doesn't mean that he plays professionally. Um, so he's someone who has a lot of things going on in his life, but he shows Ray, you know, shogi's at its best when it's something you can integrate with the rest of your life and that it doesn't work to the exclusion of everything else. Um he does that one by showing him, you know, the example of his own life where he has a lot of things going on. He's a teacher, but he still makes time for Shogi and he makes time for Ray. He shows that at the end of the show when he insists that Ray create a Shogi club at their school because Shogi is at its best when you're able to play with people. Um, right. So this, again, Shogi for Ray was an a solitary thing where he would... He wouldn't play against people to train. He would just play against problems. So he'd read these books that would set up a problem on the board, and then he would try to solve it. Um, and that's what that's what he understood Shogi to be. Even though it's a two-person game, he played it by himself because he was just playing the board. Um, Hayashida insisted that this is something you have to do in a community. Um, and more for Ray's sake, you just have to be someone who can who can learn and can teach people and can do something as a community. Um, and it's interesting to see that he kind of replicates that with uh, the sisters as well. He, at uh, different points, he tries to teach Momo and Hina, who are the younger girls, how to play shogi. And he tries to get involved on that level and say like, okay, you know, I actually do have something to give back. Shogi isn't just something that's for me. Right. And it's kind of interesting, too, about how that also kind of sets up Nikaido to be kind of his rival in this, because when he tries to teach the girls, it's kind of also one of his first big failures. Right. Because he doesn't have the experience yet. He doesn't really have the interpersonal skills to make this something that the girls can very, you know, it's something that's personable to them. Because, uh, you know, he's, he has a very stiff, kind of boring type of lecture that he has prepared for them, whereas Nikaido shows them fluffy pitch, pictures of cats as uh, shogi pieces and that sort of entices them mm -hmm. uh, and then uh it's rather interesting as well uh because we we talk a lot about the actual story itself 
Um, but what's interesting about to me about the show is actually the direction of the show. Okay. It's actually how they use the animation and how they use the camera work. Uh, it, it generally stays out of the way, but one of the most interesting aspects about it is that, uh, like, a lot of the times the animation is used to actually convey something about the characters or the... Uh, or about just kind of their mindset at the time. I think one of the best examples of this was during the game between Mr. Smith and uh, Goto was how they had this very elongated sequence where they're trying where they're playing shogi together and you can like it's so meticulously animated and what we see from that is Mr. Smith kind of like shake like kind of at times like like kind of just sort of dropping the pieces down or like he like as he lifts up his hand, he knocks a piece or he kind of knocks a piece slightly, so he has to shift it around. Whereas Goto very confidently is setting down all of his pieces without any issue. Mm -hmm. And the um and it's just little details like that in the animation that uh really help the story like come to life because they don't need to constantly explain to the viewer, hey, so Mr. Smith is really nervous about playing against uh, Goto, huh? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they bear. At at the show's best, it can be silent. Um, right. And th there are several scenes where it's just silent and it lets the scene speak for itself. Um, I think one of the recurring motifs they have is Ray and water. So they sort right. of use water as a representation of his mental state. Um, sometimes that's a little on the nose but but other you know but but other other times it works as a recurring metaphor um what i like kind of in different ways yeah well because because a lot of times they'll show sort of rising water and him feeling like he's drowning um as a metaphor for the feeling of depression which again is apt uh because that right. that's how that's how it can feel um but they also use it, you know, like when he's trying to fight against his own depression, when he's trying to work himself out of it, uh, he he can they'll they'll show him like swimming through the water and then standing on a desert island and realizing like, okay, like I worked through something, but I don't know where I'm going. Like I don't know what I'm arriving at. Right. Uh, and then they use it a, a, another time, and you know they use it multiple times throughout the show. But the the last memorable one to me was towards the end of the show where they use a water scene when Ray is training with Shimada towards the end of the show. Um, yeah. And water ends up symbolizing Shimada's expertise at shogi. Uh, it's, right. it's, it's sort of hard to explain, but it makes sense in the moment where Ray is getting overwhelmed by the amount of experience that Shimada has. Right. Uh, and so at that point, him being surrounded by water isn't a negative thing where it's tearing him down it's something where he's getting filled up where he just he's being overwhelmed with how much shimada has to teach him so it's gone from being something that's keep destroying him to being what water should be is something that nourishes him um and it's it's not played out in exactly that linear a fashion in the show they don't show right. like a plus b equals c but um <laughs> But it does seem like they use that imagery for a reason, and they use different meanings for a reason as the show goes on. Right. And what's interesting to, as well about that uh, about that whole scene where Shimada, like where Ray is fighting against the water, because in that particular case, 
the reason why it feels like that is because the water because it's not exactly water. I mean, it's it is water, mm-hmm. but what they do with it is that they make that they turn it into words. Uh, like it's basically kanji, and like it's drawn in a very classical Japanese style, like a sumi e painting. That's just sort of overriding him because shogi's a very uh, it's a very traditional game in Japan, mm-hmm. and there is some there's something to be said as well about the series and how. Uh, you know, Shogi's kind of a dying breed. It, like, there is kind of this sort of hint at sort of this death of, uh, death of a culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, one of the things that we find out throughout the series is, yeah, like, outside of Rei and Nikaido, like, it's mostly old men who play it. Like, one of the things that we learned about Shimada is the fact that the only reason even he, he even learned how to play uh, Shogi as a kid was that he was raised by a lot of older men. Uh, like, just from at the hotel his parents ran, and there was nobody else there. And, you know, because it was also kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, like, there, like, it's sort of, there's this sort of longing for, I don't know about if it's longing or not, but it feels like that, there's this sort of resigned acceptance to the fact that Shogi is... It's kind of a it's a dying breed, like shogi players in general, because one of the issues that Ray runs into when he starts up his shogi club is nobody wants to join. Well, nobody even knows how to play shogi. That's yeah, the thing. yeah, exactly. It's kind of different from chess in the U.S., where chess has kind of survived because you know I feel like most people know how to play chess in the United yeah, States. I could be wrong level. about that. To some level, but most people know the pieces and they know, like, the basic moves. Right. Whereas, yeah, it sounds like in Japan, it's not really, it's it's kind of something that's being lost to a more modern age. Especially considering the fact, you know, most of the series takes place in the city. Like, a lot of, Ray, a lot of Ray's problems come from the fact that, you know, he's sort of longing, you know, he's kind of attached to this past, you know, he has with his family. Understandably so. He, you know, he had a very traumatic experience growing up. Where he lost his entire family in a car accident, right. uh, but it there is this sort of there's this sort of resistance to sort of let go of this past, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, but that may also not in the case of Shogi though that may not necessarily be a bad thing. Yeah, it's 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 not clear. I think you're right in that it feels like an elegy almost. Um, at the same time, I, I think there's probably some element of this show that's trying to illustrate just how great Shogi can be. You know, right? To some degree, obviously, the author cares a lot about uh, the game, and right. So he wants he wants to prove to people that it's it's worth doing. He's also telling a story about you know depression and family and growing up, but he's using the motif of Shogi because he really believes that it's something worth pursuing. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. No. I agree. Uh, what's interesting about that is that it it does kind of feel like it's like maybe it's not as big as it used to be, but at the same time, there is still youth that is playing it. So long as that we still have people who are willing to keep teaching it, who are still willing to have some people grow up in it, uh, you know, it's not actually ever going to die. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like. Just because we've hit a modern age doesn't necessarily mean that the old style is going to go away completely. Right. Right. Yeah. So I guess I, I want to take a moment to talk through some of the, the scenes or the the story points or any lines of dialogue that, 
that really stuck out to you that um, you'll remember from this this show moving forward? Um, we we kind of covered a couple of them already. Like I think the major one was the Mr. Smith versus Goto game, mm-hmm. uh, and, and how that's portrayed. There's another great one too, uh, where we have I what was it? I think it was Ray versus. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, I think it was it was against I believe the second old man he played who yeah. ended up not being a uh, yes who I, ended up being you know who I'm talking about yeah. Um, but it, like there basically there's this game against this old man who ends up being like this incredibly bitter old man and you know you kind of think that the series is kind of setting it up for this kind of big lesson for Ray to learn and it is but he doesn't learn it from that guy you know sometimes people are just jerks right and first of all the game for that is played very silent it's like there's just some very nice there's some very pleasant piano music it, it it's kind of pleasant in its intensity I know it's an oxymoron, but uh, it's also, but like the way that it's portrayed as being just this, like as the story is playing out, you can, you can just sense that Ray is like dominating this game again, just based off the character interactions and how, like, if I recall correctly, like they show how the characters like lift their glasses and one guy just sort of like picks it up and slams it back down. Whereas Ray just sort of calmly takes a sip from his tea. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, you know, it's that animation there that conveys so much about the characters. Yeah, I, I agree that those were both definitely memorable. Um, it seems silly, but the first one that comes to mind is also from the Mr. Smith-centric episode. Um, of course. In which he uh, got ready for his day and ate breakfast. Just because <laughs> they, again, this show is at its best when it's silent. And they have right. this long, silent observation of how Mr. Smith starts his day. Getting out of bed, eating breakfast, walking to his match. Um, that felt like it told more about him and about his mental state at the time than they ever could have with dialogue. Right. Um, so I think, uh, I think this show is really capable of some, some impressive stuff when it slows down, it tells small stories and it doesn't worry too much on explaining itself. Definitely. Um, there was one other scene I wanted to bring up and then I think we can move on. Okay. Uh, and that would be the scene where Ray first meets Soya. Yeah. Because it's there's just this very pleasant moment. It's just this sort of kind of nice moment out. Like, you know, you have kind of pleasant music uh, playing out in the background. And then all of a sudden, just the music stops. Um, and there's just this kind of flash of... Uh, and there's just this sort of flash of Soya standing there... Like, just right next to Ray. You don't even know where he came from. It's almost like he just sort of appeared there. And it really just conveys the sense that this is almost... Like, this man is just beyond a human, almost. Yeah, he's almost more like a ghost than a person. And and that's sort of what they say in the show, is they describe him like an alien. Um, And I think one of the ways this show is going to go in the future is to show Soya's humanity. Um, Because I think that's one of the things the show couldn't couldn't address just yet but clearly it's something 
Ray is going to meet Soya in some capacity. He's there's going to be some relationship there, and we're going to find out who he is and why he is, and just exactly right. how close to to Ray his background is. Um, uh, do you do you want one to... final thing? I just also want to point out uh, the show does have a sense of humor. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it misses, but probably the funniest thing in this entire series is Squirrely Teacher. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's worth it's worth going back and and looking at because they do have uh a joke aside uh, where they have momo watching a tv anime called squirrely teacher which has a bunch <laughs> of anime references and it's just it's it's worth it on its own merit um, yeah definitely. so i i'm looking forward to the adaptation of squirrely teacher uh, but yeah so overall this was you know this was six months matt hard to believe but six six months of march comes in like a lion most every week so i know it feels weird that we're not going to have it coming uh going forward here I know. um because so it least, kind of what began our show yeah exactly um but i do <clears throat> i would definitely recommend uh march comes in like a lion it was i think from last season it was like I think from last year, it was one of the best anime I had seen. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely one of the... Like, even if it's not one of the ones I had the most fun watching, I do think, like, as a narrative, it was definitely one of the most interesting ones we've had. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think it... I'm definitely looking forward to season two. Maybe I didn't have as much fun with it as I did the like with Haikyuu, but, like, it's still, like, it's, it's a wonderful little show. I definitely would recommend it. I would really, if you're looking for like, if you're, the only people I wouldn't recommend it to is if you're looking for like a hot-blooded, like, you know, sports battle anime, like just one of those types of series, or, you know, if you're the type of sports anime fan, you know, you know, you like your, you like your pairings, uh, this is not the show for that. Um, no, I agree. Um, I think it's, it, it, we do believe that it's a sports anime, but it is not what you would mistake for a general sports anime. You know, it's sort of, it's a play on the genre. It is also, like, it's multiple genres. It's not it's not as strictly a sports anime as, as many are. Um, so it's got a lot of different themes that are outside of normal sports anime. It's got a lot of different motifs. It's got a... Um, a lot of different goals than, than a typical sports anime does. Um, so if... Again, I, 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 I agree. I think it's more worthwhile just generally as a good anime. Like, it, it's good right. as... It's a well-told story um, that's not super tightly bound by right. its genre. I, ironically, yeah. I think I would recommend it to people who are actually... Not, who are looking for, like, just a good... Like, I think a common complaint of a lot of anime is that a lot of anime doesn't, like mean anything anymore i guess you know it's one of the it's like one of those recurring things you just like you know anime used to be better back in the day yeah sure of course and it's like yeah <laughs> and it's like but you know what i feel like march comes in the lion just like you know what if you want a good like a good story like from an anime that it is told in an animated format like i give it my highest regard yeah i agree um so where, where do you think that, you know, we're pretty confident that it's going to get renewed. We're going to see more of this story animated um, because it really didn't, it didn't stop in, it, it didn't, it ended its story to an extent, but it really felt more like a pause. Um, yeah, that's a great way to describe it, I would so, say. It, so where do, you sort of... where do you think it's going to be going in the future? 
Uh, I think I still think Ray is gonna end up just straight up moving in with the sisters. Yeah. Um, I feel like that that was the direction that the series was going in, in that Ray was was kind of getting to a place where he was realizing that like you know what I'm just a much happier and better person when I'm living with these girls or when I'm around these girls. Uh, I would like to stay with them. And then I think that there's still going to be some drama there because Ray's also, because, you know, Ray's lived an isolated life. His, pretty much his whole, uh, you know, since he was a kid. So mm-hmm. it's going to be one of those things where he's going to have to learn, like, how to actually live with people again. Right. And I think that would be a good place for the second season to, like, open on. I agree. I, I also think, like, Soya's going to become a character. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh... It, if the series is still going, like, because that almost feels like it would be something that shows up at the end, mm. uh, like, or once we kind of get to the point where we need to start dealing with the Soya character, so we'll kind of see where that goes in next season, uh, and whether or not we get to a point where Ray actually gets to gets another chance to like spend time with Soya. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think next season is also going to be a lot... I, I think we might see a little bit more of a move towards a bit of a traditional sports series. Just because that with the whole tournament that was set up that uh, he and Nikaido are going to be in. Yeah. And the fact that he has to meet up with Nikaido at the end of the tournament. Right. And they've uh, resolved that... some of, you know, his internal challenges. You know, like, it, it was a show that involved depression, but it never ended up being a show that was primarily about depression. Right. Um so, yeah, you got to imagine moving forward, they'll be like, okay, you know, like, Ray is capable of existing in the world now. So, you know, let's see <laughs> what he can do and show, you know. So, I don't right. think, I, I say that like it's cheesy. I don't think it'll be cheesy, but I think it will be more broadly focused on the people around him than on Ray as much. Right. And, you know, it's funny because we do kind of complain sometimes about series that go, that, like, are going on too long mm-hmm. like that are kind of searching for plot but i feel like if it went that, that direction it wouldn't really feel like it's reaching too much i agree all right well matt i i think this was a good conversation i appreciate your time i appreciate you know the many months that we've been talking about march <laughs> comes in like a lion you know so uh you know if you're just tuning into this for the first time uh, on koshi and cast we do watch every currently airing sports anime every week um, and we follow it week to week and review each episode as as it comes. Um, so go on and listen. You might you might enjoy it. We certainly enjoy making it. Um, oh yeah. And uh, without further ado, Matt, would you be so good as to uh, hit the credits for me? I would love to. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is "Fly High" by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training. Keep training.